Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Institute for Policy Innovation podcast. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, the president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. Today is February 29th, 2024, Leap Day, and I'm solo today. But today I want to talk about an important topic. Is Lena Khan at the FTC really doing a pretty good job? Now, you may not know who Lena Khan is and what the FTC is, but that's the job of our podcast episode <laughs> to, ex- to explain all of this and to make sure that you're fully informed about these issues. So I want to start off, the, the, the predicate for today's podcast is that a couple of days ago, Ohio Republican Senator J.D. Vance was speaking at the Bloomberg Technology Forum, and he said the following. A lot of my Republican colleagues look at Lena Kahn and they say, well, Lena Kahn is sort of engaged in some sort of fundamental evil thing. But I guess I look at Lena Kahn as one of the few people in the Biden administration that I think is doing a pretty good job. So what we want to do on this podcast is we want to talk about who Lena Kahn is, what the FTC is who J.D. Vance is, and whether or not Lena Khan is doing a pretty good job. Now, I think by the end of this podcast, you'll understand why there's an important sort of philosophical and political reason why we are drilling down on this. So the first thing I think we should understand is that J.D. Vance, the Republican senator from Ohio, is very much positioning himself as a new right populist as opposed to a sort of Reaganite free market conservative, the philosophy that has governed the Republican Party for nearly 40 years. And for about 40 years, the Republican Party has taken this attitude of we believe in limited government, we believe in small government, we believe in a vibrant public sector. We don't want the federal government intruding in the affairs of the private sector unless there is demonstrable harm. And that is sort of the idea that has governed Republican economic philosophy ever since Ronald Reagan. And one of the things that created this sort of atmosphere within the Republican Party is a book by Robert Judge Robert Bork, constitutional scholar Robert Bork, who wrote during the 80s a book called The Antitrust Paradox. And Bork's book was so influential on antitrust law, on the law that governs competition in the United States, uh, that he was nominated to become a Supreme Court justice. And of course, the Bork confirmation hearings were the first time that partisan politics really took over Supreme Court nominations, and the Democrats really demagogued Robert Bork, and he ended up not becoming a member of the Supreme Court. Uh, But Bork's primary contribution to, uh, to the area of law is in the area of antitrust. And what Robert Bork described, well, let's go back for a second. 
During the progressive era of the uh, 30s and 40s in the United States, during the Roosevelt era, et cetera, et cetera, you had this aggressive push by the government to break up the trust, to break up big companies. Uh, the idea was that big was inherently bad and that the antitrust law was designed to keep companies from becoming large under the assumption that big companies would, by definition, abuse consumers. And when Robert Bork wrote his book, The Antitrust Paradox, he created an entirely different paradigm for viewing this the area of antitrust. And his the result of his book was the creation of what's called the consumer welfare standard. And his point was that in order to deliver uh, benefits to consumers, in some cases, particularly in technology, companies need to be able to achieve scale. They need to be able to choose, they need to be able to achieve large size and large scale in order to deliver benefits to consumers. And so in Bork's view of antitrust, the ultimate goal should be are consumers benefiting or are or are consumers being harmed. And so there's a sort of colloquial way to phrase the consumer welfare standard and that is that you're allowed to be a monopoly you're allowed to have market dominance as long as you don't act like a monopoly, as long as you don't act like you have market dominance. So as long as your market dominance is benefiting consumers, it's okay. If you're using your market dominance to harm consumers, then that's a problem. Now, we've had several examples of this over the years. The, 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 the first example that comes to mind is the example of Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft, uh, you know, during the uh, personal computer revolution and the software revolution, uh, Microsoft achieved market dominance. Uh, the majority of computers sold came with the Microsoft operating system pre-installed. A lot of Microsoft's competitors had a problem with that, but Microsoft argued that, look, we're not harming consumers by doing this, we're benefiting consumers. Every time we come out with a new version of the Windows operating system, it has more features and it costs less. And every time a new computer comes out, it has more features and it costs less. So consumers are not being harmed. And that was entirely consistent with this idea of the consumer welfare standard. Another good example of the consumer welfare standard is today is Amazon. Amazon is obviously a dominant com com company with dominant market share. Almost any time on the internet you click on a link to a book, it will take you to Amazon.com. Amazon doesn't just dominate the sale of books. They dominate the sale of almost anything. And as a consumer, I am astounded at the number of times that I order something on Amazon. And not only does it arrive with like the next day, but sometimes it arrives the same day. I have had a number of experiences where I ordered something by 2 p.m. and it was delivered to my home before 8 p.m., which is just astonishing. That's, that's an enormous amount of consumer welfare. So by Robert Bork's and the Reagan administration's consumer welfare standard, as long as consumers are benefiting from Amazon's low prices, rapid delivery, and convenience, there is no antitrust problem. And that is the sort of the antitrust philosophy that has dominated really since the 1980s. That is all changing very much today as we record this podcast episode in 2024. Because of the Biden administration's appointment of Lena Khan 
to run the FTC. So let's talk for a moment about what the FTC is. The FTC is the Federal Trade Commission. There are two entities of the federal government that come into play when it comes to antitrust, to the idea that a company is too big, has too, too much market share, et cetera, et cetera. The first is the antitrust division of the Department of Justice, the DOJ, and that's, again, within the judicial branch of government. But then there's also the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, which is under the executive branch of government. And until President Biden's appointment of Lena Khan to head the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission has largely embraced for the last 40 years this idea of the consumer welfare standard, even under President Obama, who was certainly a left-leaning Democrat president for eight years, even under President Obama, Obama's FTC still embraced the consumer welfare standard. Uh, the Obama FTC declined to prosecute a number of big tech companies uh, because, as President Obama recognized, they were delivering tremendous economic benefit to the United States. They were globally dominant companies. They employed an enormous number of people, and they were delivering significant benefit to consumers. Uh, but in the Biden administration, this is one of the major areas where the Biden administration has actually departed from the Obama administration, even though President Joe Biden was President Obama's vice president. So when Joe Biden had an opportunity to appoint someone to the Federal Trade Commission, he appointed Lena Khan. And Lena Khan was only 32 years old when she was appointed to the Federal Trade Commission. She was the youngest appointee to the Federal Trade Commission in decades. And it's not that I have a bias against young people, but if you're 32 years old, you only have so much experience. You only have so much experience in business, in the economy, in government, et cetera, et cetera. So what we have is we have President Biden appointing essentially someone who's very young, very green, and very ideological to the FTC. And then only, only two or three months after appointing her to the FTC as the youngest, most green member of the FTC, he then appointed her to become the commissioner of the FTC, the head of the Federal Trade Commission. Now, let's talk for a minute about what the Federal Trade Commission is. The Federal Trade Commission is an expert agency of the executive branch, again, created in the 30s and 40s during the Progressive Era, that is intended to protect consumers from harms of business. There's a basic assumption here that sometimes businesses abuse consumers, and so the job of the Federal Trade Commission is to protect consumers against harms that are inflicted on them by business. So as you can imagine, if you know anything about your American political history during the, during the progressive era, the Federal Trade Commission was very active in busting up monopolies, denying mergers, and things like that. Uh, but again, after the 80s, after um, the Reagan administration and after Robert Bork's book on the administration on the uh, on the antitrust paradox, uh, the FTC has taken a much more conservative role in really only acting when there was evidence of harm to consumers. And uh, the lifelong campaign of Lena Khan, ever since she was a young law student at Yale University, has been to change this paradigm, has been to turn the FTC into a very, very activist organization. 
And that is exactly what she has done. So the FTC is an administrative agency that has the power to either forbear or to be very, very active. And really, ever since the 1980s, the FTC has, for the most part, been a forbearant agency that has only acted when there's been a demonstrative problem. But when Lena Kahn was appointed to the FTC by President Biden, uh, her attitude was, we are going to turn the FTC into a much more activist executive branch agency. Uh, There were several articles that were written in left-leaning publications about Lena Kahn when she was first appointed. Again, she was appointed at 32 years of age. Um, One article in The Atlantic said that she had a zeal for taking companies to court, that she was driven by a healthy sense of anger, that she was trying to overturn the antitrust consensus that had existed ever since the Reagan administration. And so this is a huge departure between the Biden administration and the Obama administration in this area of antitrust. So as we sit here in 2024, the FTC has become an extremely activist organization. They have initiated a number of investigations into large companies, particularly tech companies, uh, multiple multiple investigations into uh, Facebook's parent company, Meta. Uh, a major investigation into Amazon, a major investigation into Microsoft. Uh, I don't know about you, but I find Amazon to be extremely convenient. In fact, um, Amazon has a line of products that are Amazon's own branded products. And uh, my favorite dress shirt these days has become the white Oxford button-down dress shirt from Amazon. It's a high-quality shirt. It costs less than $20. And it's a marvelous thing. And uh, one of Lena Khan's agendas has been to make it illegal for Amazon to offer their own branded products. So what Lena Khan wants to do is take away from me uh, my Amazon button-down white Oxford shirt. So I have a sort of a personal, uh, I, have, I have a personal dog in this hunt as well. What's really interesting is that Lena Khan is 0 for 4 in her major uh judicial campaigns against these companies. She lost in her opposition against Microsoft's acquisition of another company. She lost twice in her campaigns against Meta, and she's lost against Amazon. And so one question keeps coming up is, um, if you're right on this issue of antitrust, if you're right on this issue uh, of trying to become much more aggressive, why do you keep losing in court? But it's even worse than the fact that Lena Khan's philosophy is wrong, and it's even worse than the fact that Lena Khan keeps losing in court. Lena Khan's own staff has rebelled against her. Two of the FCC commissioners have literally resigned because of Lena Khan's leadership, and part of the reason they resigned was to deny her a quorum so that she could not continue on some of her campaigns. So it's pretty radical when somebody has a sweet government job and they resign the job because they think that the chairman of the FTC is so dangerous. Uh, Lena Khan has in many cases acted against the advice of her own staff, of her own appointed staff. The FTC's ethics officer recommended that Lena Khan recuse herself 
from the Meta case and the Meta investigation because of comments that she had made in advance of the case that were clearly prejudicial, where she clearly expressed that she had a personal opinion about the company Meta. But she refused to recuse herself, even though her own ethics officer recommended recusal. In fact, before Lena Khan was appointed to the FTC, she worked for a left-leaning think tank called the New American Foundation. And at some point, she became too crazy for even the New America Foundation. They required Lena Khan and several of her cohorts to essentially spin off into a separate organization because she was too radical and too progressive for even a left-leaning New America Foundation. So what the Biden administration has done, you know, despite Biden's promises to run as a sort of reasonable middle ground sort of candidate, what Joe Biden has done is he has governed very much as a radical progressive. And there's no better example of that than his appointment of Lena Khan to run the FTC. There was actually a poll of FTC employees in 2023 that showed the lowest morale in decades at the FTC, because even the staff at the Federal Trade Commission feel that Lena Khan is too radical, is pursuing cases she should not be pursuing, is refusing to recuse herself when she should recuse herself. So what the Biden administration has done is it has appointed an extremist to run the FTC. Now, I've explained who Lena Khan is. I've explained what the FTC is. I've explained what Lena Khan has done. So let's now return to this idea that Republican Senator J.D. Vance is praising her and saying she has done a pretty good job at the FTC. How crazy is it that you have a, a person at the FTC who is too radical even for left-leaning think tanks who is so radical that Republican commissioners have resigned from the FTC, who is so radical that her own employees report having poor morale, that Republican Senator J.D. Vance says she's doing a pretty good job. This doesn't tell us anything about Lena Khan, but it tells us a great deal about J.D. Vance. And so what I want to do for the rest of this podcast episode is sort of emphasize this issue that what we have going on today within the Republican Party is a very, very significant divide between the successful Ronald Reagan, Jack Kemp, Phil Graham, Dick Armey, Duke Gingrich type of Republican conservatism that was so effective for so long in Congress we have a departure where we have within the Republican Party these new right populists who essentially love big government. Up to up till recently, up till recently at this point, the idea of conservative Republicans was that government largely is a force for harm, and so the best we can do is to restrain its size. We want small government, we want limited government, we want maximum individual freedom, we want maximum business freedom. We want government to only enter into the economy where it's necessary to address obvious harms to consumers, to people. 
it's the progressive left that has always argued that we need government to to regulate the economy. We need government to regulate the economy from the top down. You can't trust business. You can't trust corporations. Left to themselves, they will abuse their own employees and they will abuse their own consumers. And so you need government to regulate them in every area. Up to this point, that has been a progressive left attitude, not a conservative right attitude. But in J.D. Vance and in Josh Hawley and in some other new right Republicans, you have this idea that they love big government. They just want government enforcing their own ideas. So clearly, J.D. Vance loves an activist FTC chief who is pursuing cases against American corporations. He clearly loves this. He says Lena Khan is doing a good job. Now, the reason that I bring this up on this on this podcast and the reason I'm sort of ranting on this is that this is just the latest example of this philosophical difference right now that is sort of tearing the Republican Party apart and tearing the conservative movement apart. You either believe that government is essentially a problem that has to be limited, or you believe that government is a tool that you can use to enforce your preferences on everybody else. And the, the, the conservative Republican attitude since the Reagan administration has been that government more often than not is the problem. And so what we do is we try to limit government's power and we try to maximize the freedom and liberty of individuals and of businesses. And we only have government step in when there's a demonstrated problem. This new right, this new right uh, activist movement that is being sort of championed by J.D. Vance and Josh Hawley and people like that is a completely different approach. The idea here is that we want a—I have an outcome that I want, that I prefer— and I'm willing to use big government in order to enforce my preferred outcome on everybody else. And so this is what's called the horseshoe theory of politics in action. Now, the horseshoe theory of politics is this idea that the extreme right and the extreme left end up meeting. So if you're picturing a horseshoe, you know, uh, the extreme left of the horseshoe and the extreme right of the horseshoe actually end up sort of meeting in the middle. And so the idea here is you either believe in using government to enforce your preferences or you believe in limited government and letting people basically work these things out for themselves. And so the extreme progressive left wants to use government to run your life and to impose their views on your life. So does the extreme right. The extreme right also wants to use the power of government. The, the extreme populist right wants to use the power of government to enforce their own preferences on you as well. So progressivism and populism end up being almost the same thing. They have different goals. They have different end results. But they both agree that using the power of government to enforce their own preferred outcomes is the way to go. And so for those of us at the Institute for Policy Innovation, and for those of us who believe in a limited government, individual liberty perspective, both of these are obnoxious. Both of these approaches are toxic. 
Uh, we don't want the progressive left using big government to enforce their views on our lives, but we also don't want the progressive right to use big government to enforce their views on our lives as well. So this quote by J.D. Vance this week, praising this, this, this ideological activist head of the FTC, is just the latest example of this cleave that we're experiencing right now between the populist right and the traditional conservative right, and the fact that people like J.D. Vance, even though he's a Republican, he ends up having far more in common with activist leftists than he does with traditional conservative Republicans. Now, how this plays out in the future, who knows? Who knows? I'm not a fortune teller. But it's just, it's a very interesting and disturbing thing for us to watch, for those of us who believe, again, in limited government and free markets, uh, to observe this dynamic going on where you have elected Republicans who essentially have more in common with progressive Democrats than they do with traditional conservative Republicans. Well, today's podcast was more of a rant by me than anything else, so you may have enjoyed it or you may not have. Uh, I'd be happy to uh, have your input on that. You can go to IPI's website and you can comment on our podcast today. We would invite you to check out our website at IPI.org. You can sign up there if you'd like to receive notices of all of our new podcasts, new content, and upcoming events. If you've enjoyed this podcast, how about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform? You can also help to sponsor these podcasts by becoming a member of IPI's Giving Society. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.